You're listening to the Ignite Sessions podcast, hosted by Virginia Tech Chi Alpha. Our hope for this podcast is to encourage listeners to pursue God's kingdom and His righteousness. We hope you're blessed by today's episode. All right, all right, start making your way to your seat. Welcome to Chi Alpha. We're glad you are here. Hey, tonight, uh, obviously, you can tell my wife is going to be joining us up here. This is Michelle, everybody. What's up? And so. So good to be with you guys tonight. And before we get into our our message, I did want to remind us that it is the Hispanic Heritage Month, and we wanted to highlight. Uh, someone who's had a huge impact in my life. I don't know if we can get the slide up there. Can we get the slide up there for Sergio? All right, maybe not. (laughs) Well, there's a a book that a man uh, from Argentina wrote. His name is Sergio, and I always say his last name wrong, but it's... uh, Anyway, I don't know his last name, but here's the deal. When I was doing my internship with Chi Alpha... I was given this book a a little, a while ago, and I was laying in bed one night, and the Lord woke me up, and this doesn't happen very often in my life. There he is, Scataglini, Scataglini. All right, so that's the man who's changed my life. Anyway, he wrote this book called The Fire of His Holiness, and this happened in the middle of the night where I wake up and I felt like the Lord said, pick up the book. And so I pick up the book and I read through the night this man's book, The Fire of the Holiness. And you've probably, if you've been in Kyle for long enough, you've probably heard me, heard me quote something that came from that book. And it was this. He talks about if we were to go buy uh, pure, if we we're going to go buy drinking water and you grabbed a bottle out of the you know, the freezer, the refrigerator, and you looked at it, and you're like, oh, this is a $2 bottle of water, but you looked at the ingredients, and it said 98% pure drinking water, 2% sewage. Would you buy that bottle? And you're like, like, you have a verbal response as you're reading a book. You're like, no, you know, no, you would not buy that bottle. Why? Because I'm not putting 2% sewage in my body. And then his next line is, well, then why do we settle for 98% holiness? And you're like, Okay, put down the book, and you just repent. You're like, Jesus, help me, Lord. And anyway, that, that's one of those lines from the book that has stuck with me and has actually marked my life. And I desire, right, that not that I'm there, not that I've arrived, but I desire to live for God like that. Amen? And so uh, we're grateful for this man, grateful for the way that he served the Lord. He was part of the Argentinian revival and, uh, and helped lead and steward that well. So... Hey, tonight um, we are going to be looking at a part four in our series, The Fear of the Lord. Part four. How's it going, guys? Are you guys enjoying this series? Yeah? Awesome. We're going to be reflecting a little bit. Sure. Reflecting, almost like having a conversation up here about it. So no preaching, just talking. We'll see how that goes. I can't promise anything. No promises. 
Okay. Yeah, here we well, go. Well, I got to ask them a question first. Okay, guys, so who likes Star Wars? Anybody? Oh, whoa, good. This is awesome. Praise Jesus. Okay, so we have some Star Wars fans in here. Okay. I don't know if we want to go this route then. <laughs> I was going to say, Anthony and I, we're not, we're in it, but we don't We've, we've know seen the movie once it. or movies once or twice. So I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, right. a Star Wars, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Expert by any means. But junkie. Yeah. Junkie. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Junkie. Yeah. It, it's so good though. It is good. It's so good though. I agree. There's, there's this question, there's this thing in Star Wars and it's deep. It's really deep, y'all. It's so deep. So we have to ask the question. And Anthony and I are going to do our best tonight to figure out this answer in correlation to this sermon series, okay, to the fear of the Lord. So hang with us because you're like, how are you guys going to start with Star Wars and then talk about the fear of the Lord? We're going to connect it. We are going to connect it. Well, we're going to try. <laughs> yeah, in our best opinion, right? So the question of the night with Star Wars is, how on earth, I bet you guys know what question is coming, did Anakin Skywalker become Darth Vader? Now, I know there's a specific term for this because I was told this before I even started, but I already forgot because I didn't write it down. But oh. <laughs> Josiah, what is it? Tell me. The tragedy. The tragedy there it is. There of, it is. Of who? So that's hilarious. Why is it the tragedy of Darth Vader when it's actually the tragedy of Anakin Skywalker? Okay, anyway, so the the, the thought process is this, right? When when I watch the movies, what I see is a young man who has an extremely big ego. And Palpatine seems to figure it out that if he affirms Anakin over and over and over again, he feeds the pride and he feeds the ego— and it gets the best of him. And actually, what's amazing is it, that's not the only thing that he feeds on. Anakin also is challenged. He has a, a Jedi, Master Obi-Wan, right, who is training him up and raising him up. And, and Obi-Wan, maybe from the movie perspective, maybe from just Anakin's perspective, Obi is constantly trying to call him up and be better. And it seems that every time he addresses his character flaw or anything that is, has to do with him being a Jedi, uh, Anakin actually has a little bit more disdain for not just Obi-Wan, but, but for the Jedi themselves. And, so, and then on top of that, I would say that we see this series of events where he starts to live in this place of fear where he's worried he's going to lose, is it Padme? Padme, right guys? Padme. Padme. Yeah. Okay. His wife, we're right? Good. So he's, we're, we're he's, still he's there. worried. We're still going. Hang with us. I, I hope I, I'm still right. your friend if you're a Star Wars junkie. But here's the deal. Um, <laughs> he's going to lose Padme. Yeah, he's so he's concerned he's going to lose yeah. her because he's having these dreams and all these things that are happening that this fear leads him to do whatever it mm-hmm. takes to protect, her, to protect her, which actually leads to his downfall in the end, mm-hmm. along with these other things that are happening. He also has an ins- insatiable hunger for power. That is obvious in his life. So I think those are some of the things that, mm-hmm. that lead him down mm-hmm. the dark, yeah. to the dark side. Yeah. 
It was a slow fade, though, right, guys? Correct. Watched, yeah. It was a slow fade. You, you know, the early stages of Anakin's life, you're looking at him, oh, my gosh, he's so cute. He's so sweet. Little little blonde boy, you know, on his little hovercraft thing, you know, flying through the Pod rocks. racer, the pod racer. Yeah, that pod racer thing. Yeah, that's what it was. Yes, got it. But, you know, he's just, he's adorable. And it's like, how does this little boy, you know, become that monster? And you guys, you guys have that that Darth Vader, you have his breathing. You, some of you can even imitate it, you know? We can't. We can't imitate Darth. No, don't even okay. try. Don't try. The temptation no. was so great in that no, moment. No, don't do it. Yeah. So, question for you again tonight, Anthony. So, okay, so how does Anakin Skywalker, the slow fade to Darth Vader, you know, how does that connect with the fear of the Lord? Well, let's, uh, let's check out this little clip here. I think Yoda might be able to help us out. How feel you? Cold, sir. Afraid, are you? No, sir. See through you? We can. Be mindful of your feelings. Your thoughts dwell on your mother. I miss her. Mm, afraid to lose her, I think. Mm? What does that got to do with anything? Everything. Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. I sense much fear in you. All right. Thank you, YouTube. Thank you, Yoda. <laughs> I think what's interesting is, is that we start to see, if you guys remember, as we're reflecting on this series, one of the things that we talked about is how what we fear we serve. And, and we fight to, if we fear man, we serve man. If we, if we fear failure, we serve achievement. And we can go on and on and on again. And what's amazing is that as we, as we look at this clip and we dive into his life a little bit, I think there are some things about uh, Anakin that were fueled by fear. I think he actually had a, a fear of, of failure in the sense that he, wanted, he, he was driven by achievement. Um, there's a scene in... I think Obi-Wan, the series, where they're fighting back and forth or just like kind of uh, sparring back and forth. And uh, Anakin tells basically Obi-Wan that, you know, mercy will never defeat the enemy. And, and Obi-Wan comes back at him and he's basically saying like, um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to draw a blank here because I just watched this today. Um, he comes back at him, and he's basically like, your, your desire, basically, your desire for victory is going to be the end of you, mm-hmm. right? Like, you'll never be able to, you'll always be a Padawan until you let that die in you. And, and I think, isn't that interesting? Because I think some of us, were out for, you know, our, our, a specific achievement, and we, we wind up fearing failure so much so that it becomes our, dri- our driving force in everything we do, and it, and it can be the end of us. I think, um, and so I think that are, those are some of the things that um, led to his downfall. I think this is how it also connects with our series is that, and then obviously we already talked about it. This is, it's, a, it's a tragic story when we watch him so fearful of losing the one that he loves that he winds up being the reason why she doesn't make it because he's so, so fearful of it. He makes some very poor choices. 
and she winds up um, and she winds up dying. So, I think those are some ways that it connects with our series. Yeah, there's this um, thing about Anakin. Yeah, it was really the Jedi, the Jedi way, like the Jedi way of doing things, the Jed, the Jedi life, the Jedi call, the Jedi call too. You know, it it was those things in a lot of ways he was resistant. He was resistant to. And um, there was just certain things about being a Jedi that he just didn't want to accept. Part, partly, again, this is our opinion, but, you know, just some things we're observing from the series. Yeah. So it's just some things he didn't, didn't accept. And so we think about the fear of the Lord and what you've been talking about these last couple weeks. You've been saying, you know, sometimes there's things about God that we embrace. Like, for example, God is love. We love that about God. But then there's other things about God that we're like, we don't want to talk about that or I'm not sure I want to embrace that or whatnot. So sometimes we pick and choose. Sure, yeah. Um, right? Who our God is and what he's going to be to us. Yeah. What, what, yeah. If you're here and you're new, one of the things that we were talking about is how God has these attributes, right? And, and attributes for, of God, some of them are like love, right? And, and here in the West, we love that aspect of who God is. Um, but God is also just, right? Justice must be served when it comes to God. And he actually defines that reality. And we love justice when it doesn't have to do with us, right? You see it on TV, you're like, get them. Justice must be served. You do something wrong, you're like, not me. You know, like, uh, leave me out of it, right? We're all for justice when it's for somebody else. But the deal with when it comes to God, a part of his attributes is that if he's just, right? If he's just, it also has to deal with where you're at. And so there's certain aspects of, or maybe his holiness, right? Like we want to separate those things and, and make God who we actually want him to be that instead of embracing him for who he really is. And, and we, can't, we can't do that. Yeah, there's this awesome quote um, I think we have up there for you guys tonight. It says, too many people want to tame God into a non-threatening nobody, but if we redefine the Lord as a God that makes us feel comfortable, a permissive buddy who exists simply to bless us and give us what we want, we will not fear him in the way he deserves to be feared. The Lord God Almighty is far greater than that. The fear of the Lord begins when we see him in his majesty and power. Let me just read that last part again. The fear of the Lord begins when we see him in his majesty and power. And let me say it one more time. The fear of the Lord begins when we see him in his magnificence, right? In his power. So I want to look, we want to zone in a little bit more tonight on Jesus. Amen? Gosh, he is awesome. He is awesome. And there's so many things that we love about Jesus, right? We think about Jesus in the Gospels. He's so tender. He's coming up to people. He's healing people. He's feeding people. He's amazing. What are some things you love about Jesus in the Gospels? I love how he goes right to heart issues because he loves people too, too deeply to let them stay in their issue. I also love how he, um, well, I love the way that he walks in, in power to see people set free from the demonic bondages that they, they've cured during, the, during their lifetime. And there's nothing more amazing than watching Jesus step in the room and everything changes. So I love that about Jesus for sure. Amen. It's so awesome. And we love Jesus so much, we want to know him fully. 
right? We want to accept Jesus's way. We want to know all about him. We don't want to just accept some parts of him and reject others, right? Um, we want to accept all of who he is. And there's just like in this statement here, we can't fully love somebody and fully embrace somebody and even fully embrace the fear of the Lord in regards to Jesus in specific if we don't know all of who he is, right? We can't love him to the fullness. We can love Jesus, you know, where we're at, a little bit here and there, but we come to love Jesus more and more the more we get to know him. Amen? Yeah. That's kind think, of how it is with love, right? Yeah, the and more I think you that's the chronic somebody. problem, right? The chronic problem is, is that we're, we're not embracing Jesus for who he fully is. We just want to pick and choose the aspects of what we love about Jesus and make him into the God that best fits what we want. And that's a scary place to be, but it also, it, it, it begins to, if I could say, declaw the Lion of Judah. And, and we have to be very careful about how we interact with Jesus. We have to accept Him for who He really is in the fullness thereof. Yeah, so tonight... We're just saying, yes, Jesus, we want to know you fully. We love so many things about you, but we're so excited to know you more. And one thing that's so cool about Jesus is he had a favorite name for himself. You know, when you love somebody, you kind of want to know what they love the most. Uh, one of the things they love the most about themselves, right? That's important. Or what would they want to be called, right? That's important, right, to know what, what would you want to be called? I love you. What do you want to be called, you know? Um, I, I would say who can guess what Jesus' favorite name for himself was in the Gospels, but I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to tell you guys. Um, did you see that pause? She, she was tempted. I was just going to say, is She's going to leave it out there, yeah, but she's... I'm, I'm going to pause. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to go for it. So Jesus' favorite name for himself, like he loved to call himself this, was the Son of Man. Anybody, ha anybody guess that kind of right? Some of you are like, yep, I got it. I got, uh-huh. His right, favorite Rose. name for himself right. was the Son of Man. He used this reference for himself 80, a little bit over 80 times. A little bit over 80 times. So I think, I think this phrase deserves some attention about Jesus. We don't hear a lot of teaching about this phrase. We're like, whoa, 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 what does this mean? Jesus loves to be called the Son of Man. He was like, you know, telling everybody he's the Son of Man, Son of Man, this. What does this really mean? And so let's look. We're going to spend the last 15 minutes like throwing some scripture at you guys, okay? You guys ready? We have most of it on the screen, but get ready. Here we go. We're going to take a deep dive into Jesus, the Son of Man. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's amen. go. Let's take go. Us in. Okay. So, one great example of when Jesus calls himself the Son of Man is in Matthew 16, verses 13 through 23. So, I'm going to read it, and then we're going to, we're going to take a pause and look at it real quick. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of, H of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys to the, to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. 
Okay, so now this is really cool. Check out this. What happens next? From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed, and on the third day he be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have the mind in mind, the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Ouch. Wow. Okay, guys, so what's happening here? Jesus asked them. He doesn't say like, hey, who do people call me? Jesus. And as you guys kind of read through the other gospel accounts of this, it's all very similar, right? He, he basically says, though, who do people say the Son of Man is? You know, and so this is interesting. Again, he keeps calling himself this. And they're kind of going off a list, but who reveals to Peter who Jesus is? What does the scripture say? The Father. The Father revealed to Peter who Jesus is, which is so cool. And again, that's what's happening to us here in this place tonight, even more. What's going to happen is the Father is going to come down. He's already here, right? God is already here. He's present in this place. He's going to reveal to us. It's the Father tonight, not even Anthony and I, not our words, right? He's going to reveal to you guys through scripture who Jesus is tonight more of who he is, more of who he is, so that you love him more and you appreciate his magnificence. And so the father reveals this um, to Peter, but then what's crazy is like in, in a couple other accounts of the gospels, this happens too. Suddenly you see this shift in Jesus after Peter confesses Christ. Suddenly we see Jesus say, and then he explained, and then this, and then Jesus and, and you start seeing Jesus kind of bear his heart out a little bit more. You guys notice that? The kind of intensity that kind of followed that? He started telling them, okay, I'm going to die. This is going to happen to me. He started, he, started, he started revealing more of himself to them. Isn't that cool? So when Peter confessed Christ, Jesus gave him more, right? He started telling him more. And, and what's really cool, I think, here is Jesus feels the freedom and the liberty to bless Peter, right? He blesses him. But then just a few scriptures later, which could have been, you know, in commentaries, just hours, days, months, not months, but just a few days later, it could have been weeks. He's, he's totally fine to completely, what, rebuke Peter, right? So Jesus, Jesus is able to open up himself like that to Peter. He's able to bless him and correct him. He's able to bless him and correct him. And Peter, I think, is really able to receive that. And so I, th I just think that's amazing about right even in this passage, we see the lamb side of Jesus, right? But you also see the lion come out, don't you? You see, we see the lion side of Jesus, which is really cool. I love this quote by a Bible teacher and a pastor named Mike Bickle. He says, no aspect of God's grace more powerfully transforms our emotions or satisfies our heart than when God the Spirit like what happened here in this passage, reveals God to the human spirit. Is your life goal to enter into the power, privilege, and pleasure of being obsessed with Jesus's magnificence? This is the inheritance of every believer. I don't just want to serve him. I don't want to just serve Jesus. I want to be obsessed with him and his magnificence. Insight into Jesus equips us to overcome temptation, endure persecution, and engage in partnership with him. 
You know, it's interesting as, as, as we talk about being obsessed with his magnificence, this kind of leans back to what we've, we've been talking about, right? We've been talking about how like when lo- this idea of love and fear coming together to create an environment that preserves and protects relationship. You guys remember this? Anybody here? Okay. Because why is that so important? It's important because when you're obsessed with his magnificence and who he is, you don't want to be separated from the reality of who he is in that magnificence. You you actually want to be drawn into Jesus in a, in a more profound, a deeper way. And so we're going to position our life through this love and this fear of the Lord that drives us with a reverence to walk in obedience to the very things that, that of, of who God is as we are obsessed with his magnificence, of who he is, what he's done, in the fullness thereof, okay? Because I think sometimes when we only know in part, we actually can only really love in part, yeah. fear in part, and we're missing a part of the very the very person of Jesus, right? The very God, the, the, you know, the second, the son of God, the son of man, we're missing part of who he is. And I don't know about you, but I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to be there. You know, I want to dive into the fullness of this God. The, we first see, actually see this, this term, the son of man appear in Daniel, in the book of Daniel. And Daniel has, uh, has a dream, has a and, and in this dream, he has this vision, and in this vision while he's laying down, he, he, has this, he sees beasts and horns and, and lots of things related to the Antichrist in the last days. And we see this in Daniel chapter 7, starting in verse 9. It, this is what uh, the Word of God says. The Ancient of Days, referring to the Father, okay? So the Ancient of Days, his garment was white as snow, And the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame. Verse 11, I watched till the beast or the Antichrist was slain. Verse, jump into verse 13, I was watching one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days. He came to the Father. To him was given dominion and a kingdom that all peoples, nations should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. Then the kingdom shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. So what's amazing is that when we see Jesus refer to himself as the Son of Man, and and what I was reading was snippets of Daniel 7, 19 through, uh, actually all the way to 27. But um, what we see is that he's describing himself from this moment of of who he is and the fullness of who he is. And when John uses the term in Revelation, it, it, mean, it, it, it means something. There's something deep there to the reality of who Jesus is. He wanted people to accept the fullness of who he was, not just Messiah, but Messiah, King of kings, Lord of lords. He was the Savior of the Jews, but also all of the nations. So I think what we have to understand is each time, this is a quote, each time Jesus calls himself the Son of Man, he was referring to his identity as set forth in Daniel chapter 7. Since Daniel was the only Old Testament prophet to prophesy about Jesus as the Son of Man, Daniel was probably perplexed by what he saw. First, he saw a human being exalted to heaven and standing face to face before the Father. God told Moses that no man could see God face to face and live in Exodus 13. 
33.20. He was so near to God and so powerful, yet fully human. No man has ever been so close to God. Second, he was traveling on heavenly supernatural clouds. Third, he was not just the king of Israel like David. He was over all the nations forever and ever. When he talks about being the son of man, he's referring to all of that as his identity. Yeah, it's such a loaded statement. It is such a loaded statement. He's like, I am king of kings. I am Lord of lords. I am ruler of it all. And I'm coming back again. It's like this picture of Jesus, which we're going to look at in a little bit in Revelation. It's like Jesus... Um, Again, it's really the lion side of Judah, uh, the line of Judah too. It's not just the lamb of God that was slain. Guys, think about it. When you think about Jesus, most of what we think about Jesus is like we see him like on the cross hanging, right? A lot of times we think about Jesus as a, a dead man on a cross, right? But we serve and love a God who died and rose on the, right? Died on the cross and rose again, but he's resurrected. He's alive and he's the lion of the tribe of Judah, He's the soon coming king. He is Lord of lords. And I think sometimes we are just not interested in Jesus. We don't want to spend time with Jesus because sometimes we're just not like, you know, we're we're thinking about Jesus sometimes in his lammy kind of way, the way he was. And I'm not bashing that side. I love that side of Jesus. We're, We're thinking about him a little bit on that side, his tenderness and his gentleness. And we need some of us in our life right now, we don't just need the tender, gentle side of Jesus. We need the line of the tribe of Judah in our life. Amen? Amen. Some of Amen. us have experienced some injustice in our life. Some of us have experienced some pain in our life. And all we've ever heard about Jesus is this one thing about Jesus, but we don't know. Like, he cares about all that. And when he refers to himself, he's re- referring to the fullness of himself. So when we're down as sisters or brothers, and we're like, man... Like, how does Jesus even care about me? Like, this thing happened to me in my life. This thing, why would this bad thing happen to me? This thing, Jesus calls himself. He comes up to you and he says, I am the son of man. You know, like, I am the son of man. He comes to us as the son of man, right? Which is the fullness of who he is. He is, he is powerful. He's mighty. And I would say this, I'm going to even say this too. I think sometimes as men, you know, we, we love Jesus, but I think we could love him even more when we kind of think about, like, as men, like, just this, I think men especially relate with, like, you know, the hero side of Jesus and just the, the uh, I don't know, just like that, the, that vision of Jesus, you know, coming down with the swords. There's a picture of Jesus in the Bible. He's got swords. He's got a robe dipped in blood. I mean, he's that may just may not just be a man thing, but I don't know. I the no, men, I, I think men you're on tend it. to you know like well Jesus it. yes you know yeah but I mean I mean I can't tell you how many times in my much. life I've been asked the question well how how as a man do you think of and and picture intimacy with Jesus because I think for guys because of Jesus being fully man and fully God, and then all of the other analogies we see in Scripture, like he's the bridegroom king, right, coming back for his bride, which actually is the church. But we could start to see how, like, all of a sudden, where are all the men of God? Mm-hmm. Because maybe maybe at times, as a man, you're like, this is soft. No, 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 no. When you get a full glimpse of the Son of Man, there's nothing soft about him. 
Do you understand? Like when you start to see this warrior king that is coming back, and as we look at it in Revelation here in a little minute, you, you don't want to miss the fact that he has swords coming out of his mouth, right? And he's coming, and he will bring forth justice, right? He will not let things slide under the rug, right? He's not a passive God. He is actually very active, and he's coming back, and he will serve justice. This is why when, when things have happened to people when they're younger, and like it goes under, like our justice system misses it, let me, listen to me, it doesn't get missed by God. And the only way true justice will ever be served is because there is a true God who sees it all, mm-hmm. right? And, and that will be served. There's no one that's going to run. There's no one that's not going to stand before God one day. There's no one that is not going to have to deal with the things that have done. And the only thing that separates us from people like that is the blood of Jesus. If we've been covered by the blood of Jesus and been forgiven, right, then we'll be seen through the righteousness of Christ the day when we stand before God. Otherwise, everything we've ever done that is against the holiness of God will be judged for, and it will receive everything it deserves. Yeah, I, think I don't know if you're planning on me going that way, but... <laughs> Go for it, honey. <laughs> yeah, I just, it's so good. I just think, yeah, as we, I just, I just think, um, you know, again, when it comes to Jesus, we want to ser- seriously think about, do, what do I love about Jesus, and am I willing to embrace all of who Jesus is? Amen? You guys follow me? Am I only interested in certain sides of Jesus and not other sides? And to to say, this sounds bad, but like, does, is Jesus for me like just like a pet, you know, or um, just like a buddy on social media, you know, like Jesus died for so much more than that, guys. He died for so much more. He died for relationship with you, and he loves you, and he's, he wants you to know him in his fullness, in the fullness of who he is. Does that make sense, guys? He wants you guys to know him in the fullness of he is. And if you find yourself here tonight, you're like, man, I just am struggling in my relationship with Jesus. I honestly don't, don't care to know him. Um, I, I don't know why I don't desire him as much as I should. I think, again, this word's for you because there might be, there might be uh, just a lack of understanding of the fullness of who he is, right? He is the lamb and he is the lion. Yes, he's the lamb who was slain and died and rose on the cross for our sins, but he's also the lion of the tribe of Judah, who the soon coming king who's coming back again for a generation that's set apart and holy for him, right? So he's coming back again, which is so awesome. And he wants us to... Uh, he, he wants to declare this side of himself to us. We know that because he calls himself this 80 times in scripture. He wants us to catch a glimpse of him as Jesus, the son of man, right? So let's stand. I'm going to read to you guys Revelation 1 as a closing. I'm going to read it to you guys. This is just a vision of Jesus that comes to John. And then we're going to ask for those of you who, again, have, you know, felt like, again, there's been an injustice in your life. And this side of Jesus really blows you away that you really 
want to trust Jesus with that injustice in your life. And, and instead of avenging it yourself and taking it on your own, in your own way, and instead of moving into a wall and apathy in your life, and instead of running away from God, you're ready tonight to fully embrace Jesus, even in the space of this injustice. And also, there's some of you tonight, kind of like we were talking about Anakin in the beginning of this series, like there's some of you tonight who, you know, you don't want Jesus to, to poke you like a lion would, you know? Uh, you know, Anakin didn't want to hear from Obi, you know, that he was not embracing the full way of the Jedi. He didn't want to be corrected. And some of us, we, we want to be in relationship with Jesus and we want to know Jesus until Jesus puts his finger on something and starts correcting us about something in our character. Until Jesus uses a mentor or until Jesus uses someone says, hey, I want to talk to you about that, right? So there's something about that we get offended by and we take it personal instead of saying, oh my gosh, that's who Jesus is. He is the son of man. He is the line of the tribe of Judah. He loves to correct me. Amen. He loves to come to me in that way. I got to let Jesus be who he fully is in my life and not only accept part of him. Amen. I think the other, just add one more thing too, is, is Anakin struggled with, honestly, the, the pace in which the Jedi would bring forth, right? Justice. And he struggled with this idea, right? Like they weren't moving fast enough and in his way. And here's the danger, right? Like if we don't accept Jesus for who he is and we start to try to take things in our own hand and we try to, we try to have it our way, like that's a dangerous place to be. It led him further down the path to, dark, to the darkness. And I think sometimes when, when, justice, when injustice or you've been sinned against or you see things around, right? And you're like, well, God, if you were real, why are you allowing this to happen? Or why is this the way it is? Or how could this have happened to me? Why don't you respond immediately? Like all of a sudden we are putting something on him that says, I don't like the way you do things. And listen, we live in a fallen, broken world and God is gonna bring forth justice, but his timing is not our timing. And when we begin to look at those things and say, you know what, I don't want it your way. We're putting ourselves before this Jesus who she's going to read about here. And I think, again, if that's some, if you've been wrestling with some of those things, right, in your life, like this is the night, right? Jesus wants you to lay it down and receive him for who he really is. Yeah, and if you're, again, wanting to enter into this fear of the Lord message and hopefully tonight something just clicked that in order to really love and revere God like the fear of the Lord means like it's a deeper love a deeper reverence for God right I, I see that disconnect that I have I'm just not embracing the fullness of who Jesus is as the lamb and the lion and so in Revelation 1 verses 4 through 17 it says to John to the seven churches in the province of Asia grace and peace to you. This is John speaking to us. From who from who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits before his throne. And from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness. The firstborn from the dead. And the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. And has made us to be a kingdom of priests. To serve his God and Father. To him 
be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the peoples on the, mor- on the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha. I am the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother, and companion in suffering in the kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the word of the Lord and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands and among the lampstands was someone like the son of man dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest the hair on his head was white like wool as white as a snow and his eyes were like a blazing fire his feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters and in his right hand he held seven stars and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword his face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance and when I saw him when I saw him I fell at his feet as though dead then he placed his right hand on me and he said do not be afraid I am the first and the last I am the living one I was dead and now look I am alive forever and ever close your eyes if you haven't already. Someone like the Son of Man. Come on, I think some of us need to begin to picture Jesus for who He really is. The hair on His head was white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. And his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. Come on, seven stars in his right hand. And coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet like dead. Jesus, we want a deeper revelation of who you really are. Yes, God. God, would you do that? God, would you reveal yourself? God, we want a deeper revelation of who you really are. God, we want to see you rightly. Yes, God, where we've been unable to see you correctly. God. Yes, God. God, if we've thought that, that, that all of this was about you serving us, God, we, we pray, God, that you would forgive us. God, thank you that you loved us. Thank you that you died for us. Thank you that you rose again. But God, that you desire us in relationship, in right relationship with you, to see you rightly so that we can fear, that we can have a holy reverence that leads to obedience. God, would you do that in us right now? Right now, God, we're asking, God, that you would come. 
come. Thank you, God. Yes, God, we love you. We thank you, Lord God, for what you've done for us in the cross, Lord God, and that you've made a way, Lord God, for us to enter in, Lord God, by tearing the veil between us and you, Lord God. Lord God, we thank you, Lord God, that you made a way through the cross, Lord God, and you offer salvation to us, Lord God, and you offer us to be in right standing with you, God, that we can stand before you, Lord God, in robes of righteousness, Lord God, that when you look at us, Lord God, you see your son, Jesus, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, for saving us from the wrath of God. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us from the wrath of God. Thank you, Lord God, that you are our victorious warrior, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, that you fight for us, Jesus. Thank you that you love us enough to correct us, to speak tenderly to us and to correct us. Yes, God. To lead us gently like a shepherd, Lord God, but also, Lord God, to be like a lion, Lord God, who brings justice and truth, Lord God, into our life. We love Jesus as the shepherd. We accept you. We love you as our shepherd, Lord God, and we accept you and we love you as the soon coming king, Lord God, and the king of kings and the Lord of lords in our life. Yes. So tonight, this is how we're going to respond. Thank you for tuning in to the Ignite Sessions podcast. To learn more about Virginia Tech Chi Alpha, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it using the hashtag TheIgniteSessions. We'll see you next time.